Hey guys, happy Sunday and happy Father's Day. I know it's been a minute, but duty does call some time, but you know how I, I really enjoy doing this podcast. So I have a very special guest today. He's a good friend of mine. We've been friends for quite some time, and his name is Marquan, and he's doing the Bumpy Johnson movie. And I would just want him to enlighten, you know, just my, you know, followers and people, listeners about how, you know, we, we think we know so much about people because they're gangsters, but there's so much history behind the Bumpy Johnson story. I, re- I think his real name is Ellis Raymond, Ellis Worth Raymond, it's Ellis Worth Raymond, right? Ellsworth Raymond. Ellsworth Raymond, right. Okay. Yeah, Ellsworth Raymond Johnson. Good. So, Marquan, um, let's talk about me and you. We've been friends for years. You from BT. <laughs> you go back from BT <laughs> days. Remember when I, I was um, so uncomfortable managing you or, you know, trying to get you in the movie world? And look at you now. Yeah. I mean, we go further than that, man. We go back as far as, you know, uh, you know, my older brother's father, father MC, and, you know, it's just, we, you know, yeah. tight, point blank. I can't even put, like, a, a, a date, you know. We we know the same people. I respect your journey and your matriarch out there. Thank you. Yeah, you had me bugging out the other day in, um, in Chop House. He was like, I remember the name. It's, it's Chi-Chi. I have to remember the name. That was her name, Chi-Chi, the African girl. But we won't go into that. But just to put you... Uh, <laughs> that I remembered. Yeah, but um, we do go way back. We have a lot of history. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of your journey. Like I said, I know you for so long. And to see you as a, you know, a black entrepreneur, a renaissance guy doing your numbers. I've watched you in levels and in stages. And now here you are doing... Uh, a historical movie on such a level of um, a historical person as Bumpy Johnson. So, just tell you know where you at. Why did you Why did you pick him to do the story on? Well, um, this is it's a TV series that that's coming out this fall. A ten uh, ten episode series. God willing, we have a second season. So please go out there and support it. Um, I believe you know I've never had a plan B. It was always a plan A, and I really love the story of Elvis Raymond Johnson. Margaret Johnson, his granddaughter, who he raised as his daughter, was like my godmother, and she used to tell me these magical stories about her grandfather, Bumpy. I used to come by her house on Sunday when she used to live in Lennox Terrace, and I'd sit with her for hours, and she would tell me how in the 60s she would walk down the street and hear Sam Cooke coming out a tenement window. Or, um, wow. Sugar Ray Robinson, the pink Cadillac from his barbershop, or Sugar Ray had a wait a minute. Sugar Ray Robinson had a barbershop. Yeah, in Harlem, big pink Cadillac. If you uh, if you Google it, you'll see it. They still have pictures of it. Okay, that's dope. Yep. And um, James Brown, you know, seeing his name on the marquee, so Harlem was such a magical place. And I grew up in Harlem before I moved out to Queens, uh, far Rockaway. And I used to love hearing these stories, and I made a promise to her that we would get the real story of her, her father out there. Um, my partners did the original Hoodlum, but Hoodlum didn't really speak in volumes like it could have about who the man was. He was the first African-American uh, uh, figure that sat down with the mob, sat down with Lucky Luciano, Frank mm-hmm. Maya Lansky, Bugsy Siegel. Uh, these guys came up in the 1900s. Mm. And um, at the time, 
um, even in the 60s, like African-Americans didn't even own their own businesses. Right. It was still, you know, completely owned by white people. Like, certain places you couldn't even go purchase a hat without putting on a shower cap. That's how racist it was before you could purchase a hat or even have a, a steak dinner with your family. You had to wait for, you had to get takeout, you know. And um, these are the stories that I wanted to tell, like real stories, real historical stories, because this is not just about Bumpy Johnson as a monster. This is Bumpy Johnson as a leader in the community. Right. You know, not taken away, not taken away at all from what he what he did. He did have he did put destruction in the community. But when he came home, he was trying to redeem himself. Right. And um, so the stories, you know, about his relationship with Malcolm X, with Adam Clayton Powell, and 2019 is so parallel to what's happening in 1963 Harlem. Mm-hmm. Our, our Ferguson is their Harlem riots. Our Colin Kaepernick. Cassius Clay, you know, mm-hmm. all the movements came from the 60s, from uh, the Me Too movements, the LGBTQ movement, to the, uh, the women's rights, like, a lot, like, 63 was a very historical, historical time for us in, in America, Mega Evans just got assassinated, and until got killed a few years mm-hmm. earlier, you know, we were still fighting for our right to sit at the table, and um, this story right here is bringing contemporary music, which is cool, music of the day, you may hear Rick Ross, but you also hear Curtis Mayfield, or you may hear Sam right, right, you know, right. and uh, Swiss Beats is the executive music producer, uh, and we are uh, currently doing it with, with Epics, Epics, the, uh, the network of Epic Records with uh, Sylvia Rowan and wow. uh, Zeke Lewis. And, that's, um, that's big. Congratulations. Our showrunner show is uh, Chris Brancato, who created the TV show Narcos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have a lot of wonderful people around me. Boris is my big brother, my mentor, and um, John Carlos Esposito's in it, Paul Savino, Chad Pemetary, Sonia Son, Vincent D'Onofio, and a whole bunch of others. I think you'll definitely enjoy it. Are you talking about Forrest Whitaker? Yes, I am, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, okay, he's shout playing, He's playing Bumpy Johnson. Right. And also, shout out to Margaret. I had the opportunity of meeting her once. Uh, you know, Vaughn Zip, Hall of Renaissance, had took me and Mike up to her um, house one day to visit her. Rest in, you know, rest in peace to Margaret. We took some crazy wild pitches. <laughs> I just had to make sure that, you know, I let them know that it was a pleasure meeting her. Very cool sister. I remember you telling a story about her in a wheelchair. Um, guys, some guys try to um, push up on her. Well, yeah, the, the, the funny thing is, um, the funny thing is this. Margaret was very feisty and mm-hmm. very independent. She didn't have a nurse. And uh, she took care of herself. You know, you know, she learned from the best. She learned from her father. And um, people, you know, unfortunately, there are people out there that like to take advantage of weak people. Margaret was far from being a weak person, even in the state where she was at because um, she couldn't walk. Mm. She was in a wheelchair. And I remember, uh, I, I believe it was in the winter time. I'm not even sure, but uh, she was outside with her dog and a, a guy tried to run up on her and rob her. And she pulled out her 357 Magnum and shot him in the elbow. And he ran into McDonald's and was holding the elbow bleeding. And the cops came and she said she was on her way to the uh, to the gun range. Like, Margaret was not a, not a, not a joke. And even on the Daily News, you can look it up, it says they called her Granny Oakley. <laughs> and um, it was so funny because if she embraced you and loved you, mm-hmm. she loved you. But if she didn't like you, she didn't like you. You know what I mean? And it was for whatever reason, she just didn't feel your spirit. And um, it really, it really hurt me when she passed.
we at right now, going on 2020, and it's been 18 years of me, you know, trying to get this done. And um, anybody will tell you, you just can't walk in Hollywood and sell a TV show. It doesn't happen like that. Absolutely. So if anybody's telling you that it's easy like that, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck. But you're dealing with real sharks, provide and people who do this for a living. You're doing, you're doing billion dollars deals and, and multi-million dollar deals. This is not like a love and hip hop. This is a scripted show. You know, you, you're dealing with New York tax credits. You're dealing with things that you need to educate yourself with. You know, so it's more than just being in front of the camera, knowing the business of filmmaking and and the business of Hollywood. Yeah, um, but definitely all due respect to you for putting this all together. And, you know, of course, my condolence to, you know, Margaret. So does he have, does she have, well, does he, Bumpy Johnson, have any other siblings besides her? Or she was the last of the Wahegans? Well, to be honest with you, um, with all transparency, Margaret never mentioned anyone of her having any siblings. But I've heard that there's a son out there. Um, I don't know who he is never met him before but Margaret you know it was always myself and Margaret okay. so yeah that's the only that's the only thing I could comment on of that does she does she leave any um you know any grandkids does she have kids does she have any family I have no idea it was always myself and Margaret oh okay. she never spoke about anyone else but you know her daddy which was uh Elver. Okay, all right. So how did you get, you know, the funding and, and things to put behind this movie? Because, you know, I know your story and I know your journey, but a lot of people don't. I mean, you might have just put it in a nutshell that it's not easy. But just, you know, how did you do it? Like, how did you put it together? It's about, it's a, you know, to, to, to Jackie, there's, there's really no formula. It's all about attaching yourself to the right people and people that can actually make things happen. Yeah, but see, that's a story like a Bumpy Johnson story. You know, a lot of people wouldn't have gravitated because, of course, well, let's let's keep it real. Everybody want to say, you know, he's a gangster and he's this and that. But you found some more truth and some solace through this whole movie. And to convince people, like, to really put it together, this is what I want to know. Well, to be honest with you, Bumpy was mentioned in a numerous films uh, in Cotton Club Lodge, mm -hmm. which played on. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Lon Fishburne played him in Hoodlum. Clarence Williams played him in American Gangster. Um, he was portrayed in Escape from Alcatraz. So people knew the legend of who Bumpy Johnson was, mm -hmm. but the story was never told in a, in a righteous manner. Right. And all, all I did was basically align myself with individuals, whether it be a, a, a great writer, whether it be a great director, whether it be great talent, and sit down and come up with a pitch and come up with a story that makes sense. Now, when you're selling yourself, and, I, and I'll, I'll let this know to all your listeners out there, that when you're coming up with projects, there's a Malcolm X Boulevard in every hood. There's a Martin Luther King Boulevard in every hood. You know, there's a drug deal in every hood. You have to come mm -hmm. up with stories that what I call fog cutters. Stories that's going to cut through the fog and say, oh, it was never told like this before. Right. Not, okay, yo, he was the largest drug dealer in my hood or this is another uh, story of a, a, a coming of age story. It, it has to be file cutters. So once you put file cutters through there, mm -hmm. it'll be more easier for you to sit down and pitch because there's tons of projects that come to Hollywood on a daily basis. Right. 
okay, so that's my thing. Like, you know, you found the um the meat in the real, you know, potato of the story was like, you know, you gave them something. What was that? Like, I'm not telling the movie, but what did you pick out of it that you put that was never been told? I'm not, without you telling our, the movie. Our, what was never told was our stories were never been told. Right. It was more than just bumpy. This is about civil rights. Mm-hmm. It's about what was going on at the time in 
So that shows, you know, a little bit of what them strategizing stuff to make sure that black people were getting the right treatments. Yeah, Bob, because numbers was a business in, in, in urban communities. I remember even going up and my mother sent me to the store to play numbers. That was that was a, a, a business. And what the Italians thought it was so much money, of course they wanted a hand in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he uh, he says that Bumpy made sure that you know the the, um, the banks dealt with the black people good, and that you know it's good to know all of these things because me being who I you know you don't know a lot of these things, you hear the yeah. stories that people put out, and we go with them. You know what I mean? So to get more intricate detail about what's really going on and what these people really stood for, you know, I commend you and I commend you, you know, for even picking that story and putting some light on it because all you hear about Bumpy Johnson is that he was a gangster, he was a hoodlum, he was this and he was that. But it's good to know. Bumpy beat Bobby Fisher in chess, allegedly. He was a chess master. Wow. Alcatraz jail records that the warden said his IQ was abnormally high. Wow. So he, he, he read poetry. He read Shakespeare. He read teaching. Yeah, he, mm. he, uh, he wrote poetry that got published in, uh, I forgot what magazine it was in Harlem. I did a lot of research in the Schomburg Museum. Mm-hmm. So, he was more than just a gangster, that's why he was able to sit down with the Italians at the table because they looked at him as someone as African American, of course, but he was smart. Yeah, very he very intelligent. Was about using his muscle. He was right. intelligent. And he was the liaison between the Genovese family and Harlem. Sound like my baby father, I swear to God. My sons, both of my sons' fathers, name was Bizzo. He was from Queens. You know, back in the um, 80s, he, every jail he went to, Napa Nop, Woodburn, Sing Sing, Arthur Kill, Fishburne. Out Fishburne, I was a young girl, but they, the wardens would always send me letters and said that your baby father has one of the highest IQ in the facility. And I'm like, huh? So you know what the population be inside of these jails. And for someone to be singled out with that type of intelligence, that's dope. So that's that. I don't really even know because when I met him, he was down with Pappy Mason and them, you know, a little bit of that era, you know, and then he moved to when I lived on Eastern Parkway in Utica as a young girl. I met him when I was like 14, my baby father, you know, Um, and he was from, you know, he was just moving from Queens to Eastern Parkway. His mother had lived next door to my best friend. But um, by the time I had my first son in um, 87, he was, he got a 48. So, you know, I was trooping, taking my sister ID, going to all these jails up, up north to visit him and, you know, yeah, getting the letters. Yeah, so yeah, but just to shed a little light. So what's next for you, Marquand? Well, I got a couple of projects. I'm, I'm working on a project with uh, John Singleton's uh, daughter, the last the last script that he wrote before he passed away. Oh, wow. A, a he was it's so cool. Rest in peace, John Singleton. Shout out to you. Yes. I'm, I'm, work, I'm working on the Larry, uh, Larry Davis uh, story. Whoa. Um, oh, get out of town. Wow. And um, Congratulations. That's big. Now, tell me about you. that. Yeah, well, Larry Davis was the, you know, he was I mean, I know who he is. Right, yeah. He was an African-American man from the Bronx that refused to die with corrupt cops.
uh, Francisco with, with, on the Aaron Hernandez story himself and his uh, Aaron Hernandez widow. So Who's Aaron Ernesto? I'm, I'm not familiar uh, with Aaron Ernesto. I'm not familiar. Who said? Aaron, Aaron Hernandez. He, Hernandez? He, I'm sorry. Uh huh. Hernandez. He was the New England wide receiver that killed himself oh. in, uh, in, in jail. He got sentenced to uh, life for murder. Oh, the football player. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, that just went kind of quiet. That came and left. Wow, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. That's good. So, Maquan, what is it that you would like, you know, people to know about? Well, we want to talk about two things real quick is that I'm trying to get an idea. You know, for someone that's coming up that want to get into the movie, and just, you did shed a little light on it, but what is it that you hope that, you know, um, our young youths them gain from trying to make more movies on a black production? Because, you know, one thing I heard, um, um, I think it was um, Queen Latifah the other day, and I'm proud of her as always. You know, she's trying to put together a black you know, director or producer film, some type of thing where she can get more black women to start doing movies. Because, of course, you know, our stories are not being told. It's being sold. We sell them and they change them around and they, you know, they put out what they want to put out to make us always look, you know, they belittle us, you know. So how could you encourage a, a young black, um, you know, I guess, film? I tell, I, I tell everyone out there, knowledge is power. Absolutely. It's- there's something that you want to learn how to do, regardless if it's film, regardless if it's, regardless if it's uh, coding, computers, finances. Be the best at it that you can do. Go out there, get as much knowledge as you can soak up, read, and that's how. That's what kept me. You know, I, I come from a I come from a place that's to me is one of the uh, one of the worst places in New York. Mm-hmm. Far Rockaway, and I loved Far Rockaway growing up, but I had to do something that was going to take me out of the zone where I'm, where I was at. So what I did was I watched a lot of movies, and I learned certain producers and certain directors. I can tell you a Martin Scorsese film, or Francis Coppola, or Sergio Leone. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I learned the art, and from there on, from then on, I just educated myself. I mean. If no one is going to give it to you, don't expect anyone to give it to you. You go out there and, and, and educate. Barnes & Noble is one of the most peaceful places I go to when I need Ooh, to think. Me I too. I go in the corner and grab a book and just, just you, dive in the water. You got to come over here, Marquand. You got to come and see my library because I am one people that people wouldn't believe I am such a gangster geek. I love to go on Barnes and Nobles downtown Brooklyn. And like you said, just find that little corner. And sometimes I end up coming out there with like four or five hundred dollars worth of books. I just love yeah, it. Absolutely. I love it. Yep. Yes, it's true. It's true. So, um, you know, I want you to kind of run through real quick because I really want them to know how, because I remember you from the street and the other things, but when you started working in BET, what was some of the things, even if before that, because I think I really reconnected with you back during your BET days. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what, because you, you know, people, I want people to know it's not easy, and you said it. I want people to understand yeah, it. For, it, 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 is a, it, it is an easy thing. You, you're talking to someone who's been through the juvenile system. Right, there you I've go. I've been through Barford, I've been through Beach House, I've been through Lincoln Hall, I've, I've you know, nights my mother used to say that, you know, you know, I don't know if you're going to live to see 21. Uh, once my brother got a deal, all the brothers, father and see, 
And we went around the world. I was able to see, oh, it's more than just Far Rockaway. But I just came back to Far Rockaway and I still got in trouble. You know, I got caught up. Uh, and I think my last last time I was uh, caught up, I was at 500 Pearl Street. And if anybody knows 500 Pearl Street, they know that that's the place that people don't come out of. Hmm. So I was at 500 Pearl Street fighting for my life for like a year and a half. And um, by the grace of God, you know, I got another opportunity, and that's when I started working at DET. I mean, so you have to come to a realization in your life that um, you can't be accessible to everybody, and you have to get rid of bad energy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to help people from afar, because even Nipsey also even said that, you know, you can teach somebody how to fish, but if they want to go out there and, 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 and keep learning, that's on them. I'm able to help people and show, show people, but then you have to take that knowledge and go about it and do it yourself. So I'm here, I'm a testimony that you can do anything you believe in. If you dream it, you can achieve it. You know, you can either chase your pension or chase your passion. It's up to you. I didn't have a plan. I know what I wanted to do. Life is too short. And um, a lot of praying, a lot of meditating, and a lot of knowledge. You know, people want people want success, but they're not willing to eat ramen noodles and, and tuna fish. People want success, but they're not willing to take buddy passes, knowing that mm. you got a meeting at Netflix. Yeah, like put those egos to rest, you know what I mean? And do what you have to do. And what did you learn from BET? Well said. So after you left BT, where did you go? Right to where I'm at right now. Oh, okay. That's what's up. After I left BT, I got let go in 2015. I had to figure it out. I started paying my rent with credit cards. You know, I was was in a real dark place. I didn't even know if I was going to turn back to what I was doing a long time ago. I had to figure it out. But, you know, it's 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 a really raw wake up when you think you have friends and you think you have people that care about you when in, and all you got yourself and you got God when you look at that refrigerator and you can see the back you gotta figure it out and you know I did a lot of praying I did a lot of self reflection and I let go of dead weight I think once you let go of dead weight you know it's easier for you to freeze walk, you walk up down your path. Yeah, it's like uh, an anchor it's like that anchor that you throw in the bottom of the um, river to hold a boat 